And if we could, uh, this evening, and for a short while, if we could turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read. Uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Exodus 33, and if we read again at verse 18. Exodus 33, and verse 18. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in, the cleft of, in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. But particularly the words of verse 18, where Moses said, Please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. This evening I want us to begin a short series on what it means for us as a congregation to have a 2020 vision for our community. Because as we begin a new year, I don't know about you, but everybody feels tired. Everybody feels flat after the festive period. And with the night still so long and so dark and the weather constantly howling, it's hard to get motivated to do anything. And moreover, the fact that we've encountered uh, so many sad losses in our community in recent days, it also leaves, I'm sure, many of us emotionally drained uh, because we're reminded of uh, the solemn fact that we just don't know what will take place in our community from the beginning of the year uh, to the end of the year. But as we begin 2020, my burden is that as a congregation, we need to possess a 2020 vision for our community. As Paul reminded us uh, when we met together on New Year's Day uh, from 2 Corinthians 4, Paul reminded us we must not look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen, uh, they are eternal. We need to look at life and love life and live life with an eternal perspective. My friend, as we move into 2020, we need to possess a 2020 vision for our community because if we have no vision as a congregation, we have no future as a congregation. Now, as you know, the term 2020 vision, it's often used by opticians. Uh, Ivan's wife will probably use it now and again. And it describes vision that has clarity and sharpness from 20 feet away. But having 2020 vision, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have perfect vision, but it indicates the sharpness and the clarity of your vision. And that's what we need as we move forward into 2020. We need a 2020 vision. As a congregation, we need to have that sharpness and clarity in our vision for our community. And I believe that in order to have a 2020 vision for our community, we need to first of all have a vision of the glory of God. We need to have a vision of the glory of God. Because the glory of God that is our chief end. Is that not what our catechism reminds us? Our first catechism. That the chief end of man 
It's not to glorify and enjoy ourselves, but to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. My friend, if we're to live for the glory of God, then we must have this 2020 vision. And if we're not living for the glory of God, then we're not living at all. Because we were created for the glory of God. And our life is all about, it's always to be about the glory of God. And at the end of our life, all that will matter and all that will be asked from God himself is if we, is if we lived our lives for his glory. Because if we're not living for the glory of God, then the reality is we're just wasting our life. My friends, seeking God's glory is to be the primary purpose of our life. It's to be our chief end. And it was the Apostle Paul who reminds us and reminded the Corinthians that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you're to do all to the glory of God. Therefore, in order to have a 2020 vision for our community, we need to first of all have a vision of the glory of God. We need to ensure that there's nothing more important in our lives than our pursuit and passion for the glory of God. And you know, the reason we come to Exodus 33 is because that's what we witness in the life of Moses. Moses had a passion and a pursuit for the glory of God. And for the sake of the Israelites, Moses longed to have a vision of the glory of God, which is why he was praying in verse 18, please show me your glory. Show me your glory. He had a passionate pursuit for the glory of God. And so in order to possess a 2020 vision for the glory of God, we need to be like Moses, gasping for the glory of God, gazing upon the glory of God and giving the glory to God. There are three headings this evening. Gasping for the glory of God, gazing upon the glory of God and giving the glory to God. So first of all, gasping for the glory of God. Gasping for the glory of God. We're told in verse 14, Moses said, my the, Lord said Mo the Lord said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Moses was a man who was gasping for the glory of God. He was hungering and thirsting after the glory of God. He had this passionate pursuit for the glory of God. He was longing to see the glory of God displayed in the lives of the people of his own community, the community of the Israelites. But you know, when we come to this passage, we find Moses in the valley. Moses had been on the mountaintop of Mount Sinai. And he had received the law of God, which was written on those two tablets of stone. But while Moses was on the top of Mount Sinai receiving the law, as you know, the Israelites, they were on the bottom of Mount Sinai they were, and they were rescinding the law of God. And when Moses came down from the mountain top, the he found the Israelites, they were worshipping the golden calf. And in his righteous anger and the, because of the idolatry of the children of Israel, Moses smashed, smashed these two tablets of stone on the ground. And you know, I believe that it was at that moment that Moses knew that leading the Israelites through the wilderness on towards the promised land, it was going to be the greatest challenge of his life. Because as the servant of God and as the leader of the people of Israel, 
Moses knew that he was going to spend, well, maybe he didn't know it was going to be 40 years, but he knew he was going to spend a long time dealing with the sins, sicknesses, sufferings and sorrows of this redeemed yet rebellious people. And for this reason, Moses prays before they even head out into the wilderness. He prays, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. But you know, what's amazing is that Moses had already seen the glory of God. You remember way back in Exodus 3, Moses had seen the glory of God when he removed his shoes from off his feet and he stood upon holy ground in front of this burning bush where he witnessed there the glory of God. Moses had already experienced the voice of God speaking into his life when Moses was reminded at the burning bush that despite all the challenges that were ahead of him, the Lord said to him, I am who I am. But more than that, Moses had already seen the glory of God in the form of this pillar of cloud. He had seen the glory of God lead the Israelites out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And he had seen the glory of God even parting the Red Sea and the Israelites leaving Egypt and going out towards the promised land. Moses had witnessed the glory of God time and time again. The drowning of Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. The water gushing from the rock. This pillar of cloud leading them day and night. Moses had even seen the glory of God as we read there earlier on. As he talked to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses had already seen the glory of God many times in the past. But he wasn't content on going forward on past experiences. No, Moses was gasping for more. He wanted more of the glory of God. He was hungering and thirsting for the glory of God. He was longing to see the glory of God displayed in the lives of the people in his community. My friend, Moses had such a passionate pursuit for the glory of God that he was unwilling to go forward into the unknown wilderness without the promise and the assurance that the glory of God would be with them. That's what Moses says in verse 15. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. If you're not with us, Lord, we're not going. We're not going further. Moses knew that in order to persevere in his ministry for the next 40 years, he needed to experience the glory of God in his life. Because nothing else would keep him going. Nothing else would assure him of God's presence and God's promises. Nothing else would give to Moses that desire to keep persevering to the end. That's why you find Moses here praying, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And you know, my friend, if we're going to persevere in this crooked and perverse generation, if we're going to stand up and be counted as one of the Lord's people, If we're going to keep going when Christ is rejected and the gospel is desecrated and the Lord's day is undermined. If we're going to keep moving forward into this unknown wilderness of 2020, then we need to be gasping for the glory of God. Because we can't go forward into 2020 on past experience. We can't rely upon God's presence and promises that were given to us in the past. No, we need to be hungering and thirsting for the glory of God today. 
We need to have this passionate pursuit for the glory of God today. We need to be longing to see the glory of God displayed in the lives of the people in our community today. If we're going to keep going forward into this unknown wilderness of 2020, then we need to be reminding the Lord every day, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. My friend, we need to be gasping for the glory of God. We need to be longing to experience more and more of the glory of God. Because if we're going to have a 2020 vision for our community, then we need a vision of the glory of God. Therefore, we need to be praying like Moses. Moses is such an example to us. Please Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Do you ever pray that prayer? Please show me your glory. Because you know, when we see the glory of God, we will have a high and holy view of God. And when we have a high and holy view of God, it will cause us to live holy and helpful lives that are Christ-like, and we will do it all to the glory of God. But what is the glory of God? We're talking about needing to see the glory of God, but what is the glory of God? That's what I want us to see secondly, as we see Moses gazing upon the glory of God. Moses was gasping for the glory of God, but then secondly, he's gazing upon the glory of God. Of God. Gazing upon the glory of God. Look at verse 18. Moses said please show me your glory. And he said I will make all my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim before you my name the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. You know, with Moses having made his earnest request to see the glory of God, we see there that the Lord responds by saying that he will make his goodness pass before Moses. The Lord wasn't going to allow Moses to see him in all his glory, simply because it would kill him. As the Lord says in verse 20, he says, you cannot see my face, you can't see the fullness of my glory. Because no man shall see me and live. Even though Moses was gasping to gaze upon the glory of God, the Lord says that Moses was only going to be allowed to see a glimpse of his glory. And you know, it ought to be a reminder to us of how gracious God really is. Because the Lord didn't have to reveal, he didn't have to reveal even a glimpse of his glory to Moses or to anyone. The Lord didn't have to make himself known even to us or to display his glory to any of us. For as the Lord said to Moses, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And such is his gracious character that the Lord is willing to reveal his glory to us. In fact, the Lord is so gracious with Moses that he doesn't give to Moses what he asks for. He doesn't give to Moses what he wants, but he gives to Moses what he can handle and what he needs. 
And my friend, you know, the Lord is so gracious with us because he doesn't give to us, first of all, what we deserve. But he doesn't even give to us what we want. But he gives to us what we need. And he gives to us what we can handle. And for Moses here, his request was to see the glory of God. And that request was denied. And it was denied only because the Lord was being gracious with him. If Moses had seen the full glory of God, he would have died. Moses wouldn't, wasn't able to handle the full glory of God and live. Therefore, all Moses needed was a glimpse of the glory of God. And all Moses was going to see was the goodness of the glory of God. He was only going to see a glimpse of his goodness. So what is the glory of God? We're talking about this thing, the glory of God. Theologians describe the glory of God in two ways. They talk about his, God's intrinsic glory and God's ascribed glory. God's intrinsic glory and God's ascribed glory. And God's intrinsic glory is the sum and substance of all that God is. He's altogether glorious. God's intrinsic glory is all of who God is. And the thing about his intrinsic glory is that there's nothing that we as finite sinners can say or do to add or subtract from the glory of God. There's nothing we can do to take away or add to God's intrinsic glory. We can only ascribe glory to God by loving and praising and worshipping and serving our great God. But we can't ascribe intrinsic glory to God because he is already fully and completely glorious. Glorious. In other words, you can't fill what's already full. And he is full of glory. We can't ascribe intrinsic glory to God because he's altogether glorious. And you know, as the Bible reminds us, God has many attributes. The Bible reminds us about God's holiness, his righteousness, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his grace, his mercy, his love, his joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Even his wrath and his judgment, that's part of his character. That's one of his attributes. My friend, all that God is constitutes his intrinsic glory. And so when we ask, what is the intrinsic glory of God? We are really asking, well, what is God? What is God? Because God is altogether glorious. And you remember that in the 17th century, when the Westminster Assembly, when they gathered together to compile the questions for our shorter catechism, that was the question they had a great difficulty with. The question, question four. What is God? They couldn't put into words what is God. Because how can you describe God? How can you describe a spirit? How can you describe a God who is full of beauty and majesty and radiance? But when the Westminster Assembly couldn't provide an answer, they did what we should all do when we're struggling. They prayed. And when one of the young men stood to pray in the course of his prayer, you remember that he said, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal and unchangeable. In his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness and truth. And that's the answer that we've come to learn. 
and know us, the shorter catechism. And you know what an answer it is. It describes so beautifully the intrinsic glory, the fullness of God's glory. That God is a spirit, infinite, eternal and unchangeable in this being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness and truth. But you know, when Moses was gasping to gaze upon the glory of God, the Lord graciously said that Moses, Moses was only allowed to see one part of his, one of his attributes. He was only allowed to see the glory of his goodness. That's what we're told. The Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. You know, if Moses had seen God in all his glory, he would have fallen down dead. You know, how did Isaiah, do you remember Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said that he had a vision. He said that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. And he said there were seraphim and with Two wings they covered their face and with two wings they flew and with two wings they covered their feet and the seraphim were crying holy, holy, holy. And how does Isaiah respond to this glorious vision of God? He cries, woe is me for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And even when the Apostle John, when John was given a vision, just a vision, a vision of heaven on the Lord's day and he saw God in all his glory. In his vision, John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. My friend, if Moses had seen God in all his glory, he would have fallen down dead. And you know, that's why, just as an aside, you know, that's why we need glorified bodies when we go to heaven. We need bodies that are prepared to see the glory of God in all its fullness. Because our body, as it is tonight, it is not prepared to see the glory of God. That's why we need glorified and resurrected bodies to behold the fullness of God's glory. But you know, the wonder of the gospel is that as those whom God has been gracious and merciful towards, in a measure, we have already seen his glory. We have, in a measure, seen the glory of God and gazed upon the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, we have seen more than Moses saw because Moses only saw a glimpse of the glory of God. John says in his gospel, we have seen all his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John says we have seen the fullness of God's glory in the person of Jesus Christ. And tonight we are to gaze upon the glory of God because God has graciously and mercifully shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. My friend, if Moses was only allowed to see a glimpse of the glory of God, but we've had the privilege of gazing upon the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ, then you know we should be more passionate in our pursuit.
for the glory of God than Moses. We should be more passionate in our pursuit for the glory of God. But you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we're not. We're not as passionate as Moses. We're not praying like Moses, show me your glory. We're not gasping for the glory of God. And we don't make it, make the most of this wonderful privilege that we have to be gazing upon the glory of God. Because you know, our minds, the reality is, they're so full of other things that we're often distracted. Distracted when it comes to setting aside time to pray and even read the Bible. We don't focus upon the glory of God even then. And sadly, we make time for other things. And we make the other things the priority in our lives over gathering together for worship or or having fellowship with one another or spending time studying the Bible. But you know, my friend, when we are reminded about the glory of God and that our chief end is to glorify God, you know, when we're reminded of these very things, the only thing we're going to be asked in the last day is, did you glorify me? All the other things don't matter. The things that we get so caught up in, they are of no importance. Our primary purpose, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And you know, Moses' Moses's example, it ought to remind us and it ought to challenge us that if we're going to possess a 2020 vision for our community, then we need to have a passionate pursuit for the glory of God. It all must be about God's glory. We need to have a longing to see the glory of God displayed in the lives of the people in our community. We need to be gasping for the glory of God. We need to be gazing upon the glory of God. And we do all that by giving the glory to God. Giving the glory to God. And that's what I want us to consider lastly. Giving the glory to God. In order to possess a 2020 vision for the glory of God, we need to be gasping for the glory of God, gazing upon the glory of God, and giving the glory to God. Giving the glory to God. Moses said, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. The American theologian and writer A.W. Tozer, he once said, God is looking for men in whose hands his glory is safe. God is looking for men in whose hands his glory is safe. And by this, Tozer meant that God is looking for men and women who will have a passionate pursuit for the glory of God. God is looking for men and women who are not promoting their own name or their own reputation, or their own ministry. God is looking for men and women whose chief burning desire is to magnify and exalt and ascribe all the glory to God. God is looking for men and women whose life's song in this world is what we were singing in Psalm 115. Not unto us, Lord, not to us, but do thou glory take unto thy name in for thy truth and for thy mercy's sake. My friend, God is looking for men and women in whose hands his glory is safe. Therefore, the question we need to ask ourselves this evening is, does God find these men and women here?
Does God find these men and women here? Are we men and women in whose hands the glory of God is safe? Are we men and women who have a passion to pursue and to promote the glory of God? Are we men and women who seek to ascribe all the glory, honour and praise to God? Because, you know, our God is a jealous God. Something we often forget. He's jealous for his own glory. And he's not willing to share his glory with anyone. He's not willing to share his glory with anyone. You know, we mentioned earlier that there's God's intrinsic glory and there's God's ascribed glory. God's intrinsic glory is his, the sum and substance of all that God is. It can't be added to or subtracted from because God is altogether glorious. But you know, what we witness in this passage is that Moses prays that God will reveal his intrinsic glory so that he will respond by ascribing all the glory to God. Moses prays that he will see a glimpse of God's glory so that he will respond by ascribing glory to God. And you know, we're to ascribe glory to God by loving God, by praising God, by worshipping God, by serving God. We're to ascribe all the glory to God. You know, it's not about us, not about man, not about ministers, not about elders. Not about members, not about Christians. It's all about God. Salvation from beginning to end is all about God. And it's all about his glory. About giving him the glory. So we're to ascribe all the glory to God by loving, praising, worshipping and serving our gracious God. And you know, there's one quote. I love it. It was once said that your theology produces your doxology. Just think about that for a moment. Your theology produces your doxology. In other words, your knowledge of God produces a desire to glorify God. Your knowledge of God produces a desire to glorify God. The more you get to know God, the more you spend time with God, reading the Bible, praying to the Lord, the more that you spend time in fellowship, getting to know God, your theology of God produces your doxology. The more you get to know God, the more you desire to give all the glory, the honour and the praise to your gracious God. And whether you've been a Christian for five years or 50 years, there's not one of us here this evening who can say that we've made it, that we've managed to give all the glory to God. And that's why at the beginning of 2020, we need to pray that God will, would enable us to grasp more of the length and breadth and depth and height of his glory. At the beginning of 2020, we need to be praying, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And as a congregation, we need to possess a 2020 vision for our community. We need to possess it. We need to have that sharpness and clarity in our vision for our community. Praying for a vision of the glory of God. Because that's our chief end. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. For the glory of God. 
So Moses has reminded us this evening that in order to possess a 2020 vision for the glory of God, we need to be gasping, hungering and thirsting after the glory of God. We need to be gazing upon the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And we need to be giving, giving all the glory to God, not unto us, not unto us, but do thou glory take. But may the Lord bless these few thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, teach us to pray. For we confess, Lord, how little we do it. And how, earnest, how little we are in our, earnest, in our earnestness, Lord, in prayer. And Lord, that thou wouldest give even to us the prayer of Moses. To pray, please show me thy glory. O oh Lord, that we need to see the glory of God, even in our land. That, Lord, that thy glory would be seen. That thou wouldest make thyself known in the lives of thine own people. And that thou wouldest reveal thyself in the lives of those who know thee not. That they too would be brought from darkness unto thine own marvellous light. That they would see, Lord, as we have seen, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, we live in a dark day, a day that is moving further and further away from thee. But Lord, as we begin this wilderness of 2020, that thou wouldest go before us, that Lord, we will not go forward unless thou art the one who is with us. So lead us, Lord, we pray, guide us and direct us by thy spirit, that thou wouldest have all the glory, that Christ would have the preeminence and that we as thy people, undeserving as we are, that we would receive the blessing, the blessing, Lord, from our gracious God. Oh, do us good, then we pray. Remember, Lord, especially those this evening who are mourning. Oh, there are so many homes in our community whose lives are shattered, whose world has been turned upside down. Oh, that thou wouldst remind them that thou art the God of all grace, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Undertake for them, we pray. Lead us. And guide us, we ask, always to the rock that is higher than us. Cleanse us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to bring our time to a conclusion by singing the words of Psalm 29. Psalm 29 in the Sing Psalms version on page 34. Psalm 29. A psalm that reminds us about God's powerful voice. But the psalmist also encourages us that because of the Lord's voice and how he speaks to us, he speaks to us through creation and through his word, that we're to ascribe to the Lord God both glory and might. You mighty ones give to the Lord as is right. Ascribe to the Lord God both glory and might. To the Lord's name due glory and honour accord in beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord. The whole psalm to God's praise. You mighty ones give to the Lord as his right. Ascribe to the Lord God 
Amen.